Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. We are back at it. It is the Pistols Firing Podcast. Thanks for making us part of your day. Joining me as always is Kyle Porter. Kyle, would you like to yell at each other some more like we did last show? You uh, you sound kind of morose, Carson. It's uh, it's a tough scene right now in Stillwater. It, it's, it's not fun, but uh, hey, we're pros. We'll power through it. Maybe Oklahoma State will win this weekend. Probably not. Um, we're going to talk about Iowa State. Uh, Oklahoma State here in a minute. Uh, let's talk a little mid-first uh, off the top, though, before we get to the mid-first five. Carson, Oklahoma State credit card uh, is what mid-first is offering. You can go to midfirst.com slash pistols firing. Get a $150 cash bonus uh, when you sign up. And uh, you can there's bursar rewards options. You can earn points. Uh, all kinds of stuff going on for pistols firing podcast listeners. Midfirst.com slash pistols firing. And, uh, yeah, you guys go check that out. Do you want to jump into the, uh, to the Iowa state stuff, Carson? How are you doing? Well, you said I was sounding morose, which means sullen and ill-tempered. I think that kind of sums up how OSU fans feel about (laughs) football right now. And I, I, I'm not sick. I just feel kind of, I have one of those days where you just kind of feel blah. You don't feel like doing much of anything, but I have to go to work here in about an hour. So morose may be a little harsh, but that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. It's it's uh, four and three as a double digit dog on the road is is reason to feel morose. I'm not uh, I don't hold it against you. That's sort of that's kind of <laughs> where I'm at as well. Yeah, uh, I would say that's a good way to put it. <laughs> uh, what's your expectation for this weekend? OSU's what ten and a half, eleven point underdog. Uh, hasn't been a fun place for them to play. Although they they have had success since 2011, they've played pretty well in Ames. Uh, Iowa State's rebounded. I was I was looking back. They lost to. Uh, oh, you're gonna love this. I I got on the uh, the Iowa like schedule and results for a while. Not Iowa, not Iowa State, but Iowa because Iowa? I realized that Iowa State beat them eighteen seventeen, and I was like, or excuse me, Iowa beat Iowa State eighteen seventeen, and I was like, I feel like Iowa plays the weirdest games. Like the, the like they have the weirdest scores. They lost to Penn State seventeen to twelve. They scored twenty six points in a game. Like, I, I score twenty one points, Iowa or thirty five. Like, they probably haven't scored thirty five in like fifteen years. <laughs> they they would like they wouldn't know what to do. They would think like football was broken if they scored that many points. <laughs> uh, but no, Iowa State has rebounded from losing to Iowa eighteen seventeen. They lost to Baylor twenty three twenty, and they they're. You know, five and two. Uh, they've had, I would say, probably right on track for what the kind of year they thought so far. I guess I don't know. Maybe they're a little behind schedule, but um, yeah, they look to be one of the top three or four teams in the Big Twelve. Yeah, you dogged them preseason, but I uh, Iowa State, I and they they weren't good early in the season. I think you have to look no further than Brock Purdy. He was not good at all to start the year, and he's turned into one of the better quarterbacks, and if not just the Big Twelve, but in the country, he's 
he's certainly up there uh, in terms of numbers. And, and you mentioned the Iowa Iowa State rivalry. Isn't Iowa Iowa? I, I I dubbed it boring bedlam. Like it's just boring. There's no points yet. And it doesn't matter the stakes for Iowa State if they're like as good as they are now or if they stink. They just will find a way to lose that game, much like Oklahoma State. I'm looking at their Winsipedia matchup here. I think Iowa State's won one, two, three, four, five times since 2003. Yeah, it's not Iowa's good. Won, Iowa's won the rest. <laughs> yeah, and they've probably scored an average of like 19.7 points. Yeah, Iowa State rarely gets into double digits against Iowa. Even when they win, they won a 9 to 6 game in 2012. Yeah. 9 to 6. It's 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 like your like we should we should have an Iowa podcast just making fun of Iowa. Yeah. It'd be incredible. It's too easy. <laughs> Although uh, you can't really cast stones when we're doing an Oklahoma State podcast. No, I I agree. I, I was looking at Iowa State's numbers. I think their numbers are pretty interesting because if you look at their points per drive stuff, they, they've been really good. They're 12th uh, offensively in points per drive, and they are, let's see, 33rd defensively, um, which both of those numbers are pretty good. And, and if you look at uh, kind of where that puts them nationally, they're in that group that it's like uh, it's Baylor, it's Auburn, um, it is Notre Dame, it's Oregon. It's, it's some of these schools that have much better records than them. So I think – I think they're probably a little bit better than their record indicates. And, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot of the same stuff that we saw in terms of, like, talent level and competition as as the Baylor game with maybe an even better quarterback in Brock Purdy. And so uh, if you're Oklahoma State, it's like, okay, well, um, Baylor didn't go well. Is Iowa State on the road going to go better? It's just – I don't know, man. It's tough to see them – um, it's tough to see them winning this game. It's not tough to see them being competitive. I think they will be. It's hard to see them winning. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Vegas was smart to make it a ten and a half point line. I thought that seemed high on the on the outset, but I, that's kind of how much I expect Iowa State to win by. I expect them to win by fourteen points or more. I just and to me, it, it's it's all defensively for me. I think I think Oklahoma State can score if Spencer doesn't turn the ball over. I thought they controlled most of the game against Baylor. And one thing I did want to bring up with you coming into this game is is uh, Dustin Ragusa. I thought wrote a really good. You know, he does the film study. You know, yeah. he, you and I don't don't watch it. We don't watch film. Don't read it. Don't read it. But um, he did a really good job breaking down a few key instances in that game, and one of which I want to discuss with you was Spencer Sanders. And that's something I've noticed too. Like, he's he's always trying to like bounce it to the outside when he mm-hmm. takes off to run. And if you recall seeing some of his highlights from Denton Ryan, he was so good at that, right? He could bounce it to the outside and, and and take it, if not to the distance, you know, a long ways. And he's finding out in Big Twelve play when he bounces to the outside, there's there's someone there to meet him, and he's not as he's not just faster than everyone else. So I thought that was an interesting breakdown from from Dustin. Yeah, he did a good job with that, and and I think that. You know, so so much of that is just, you know, it's some of the stuff that that Gundy's talked about of just like figuring out uh, the the nuances of the college level. But I mean, Sanders has said this the last couple of weeks. Like, I'm not a freshman anymore, and I tend to agree with that. Like, you've been in college for a year and a half or whatever, almost a year and a half. You've been playing for almost a full season, and. Uh, 
yeah, like you you don't I don't think you get the ex- like I think the freshman mistake stuff is like first three four maybe five games, but after that it, I. I I don't want to. I I I think it's not great to use that as a crutch anymore. I don't think that's what you're doing, but I think that's what some people have done. And it's like, well, we need to like evaluate him as the quarterback of, of OSU, not the freshman quarterback of OSU. Right. I think that's fair. Um. But um. But another, another thing he he pointed out in his article too was <laughs> how predictable OSU's offense has become running Dana's. Dana Holgerson's diamond formation from nine years ago. He, he pointed out that when they went to diamond formation, Texas Tech did a really good job of this, and Baylor copied it. That they would just put eight in the box and put two on Tywin and say, "Good luck, Jordan McRae." Yeah. And if you want to beat us, fine. And and that's what they tried to counter with with Jordan McRae against Baylor, and they they had the touchdown on the fade and they had the interception on the fade. But to me, it just it gets back to just how predictable. And just the lack of wrinkles this offense is showing. That that's kind of what I'm looking forward to at Iowa State too. Is are they finally going to, you know, un, I don't want to say unleash Spencer Sanders, but like let him let him go a little bit. And if he he's either going to sink or swim, the the they've gone out of their way to protect him. I guess is the way to put it. And and I'd like to see a little bit more zone read, run pass option, you know, make him more dynamic with. And make make the defense have to see a lot more. I mean, they they never run Tywin in motion across the middle. Like you got to counter what teams are doing to you with their secondary on on Tywin. So that's that's kind of what I want to see as well. Carson, we're just gonna hand it to Chuba. He's gonna get thirty five <laughs> a game, and that's that's how it's gonna. Be. I mean, the thing I the thing I keep going back to. I'm gonna beat this drum all year. Where's the Oregon State offense? Right. I mean, I've said that on like the last nine podcasts that we've done. Is <laughs> you have where where is it? We saw so we. I mean, <laughs> speaking of Ragusa, he was he was beside himself over over like the Gleason stuff in the Oregon State game, right? And mm. after that, it's like he is Gleason even at the games? Does he go? <laughs> is he in a tent? Is he in a shed? What's the headset actually playing? Is it playing? music or is it playing Gundy tell him what to do or is it him communicating to Spencer? I don't, I don't well, have any and, idea. Yeah. And I'm not blaming Gleason. I, I don't, I don't think that stuff's on him. I, I think that, I think he's pretty good. Um, I just, there, there's just, and, and who knows, like maybe that's an organizational decision to limit Sanders. But the weird part is they didn't do it early against a power five team. It's not like they were playing McNeese in the first game. They, he was more limited against McNeese than he was against Oregon State. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, speaking of Gundy, we've gotten some emails this week, Carson. And, and some of this is, you know, we talked about this a little on Monday. We talked about kind of the, the program as a whole on Monday and a little bit of Gundy. But I, I think that people in a rational way, like people that are not like just, you know, Sanders has an incomplete pass. Fire Gundy. Like not the, okay. That's irrational. You're, you're, you're a crazy person. Um, but like in a, in a, it, people that are taking stock of the program in a rational way, people that are, uh, optimistic fans, people that have been there for all this stuff are kind of looking around and saying like, what are we doing here? Like, how's, how's this going to go? What's the trajectory into 2020 and beyond that? Because, I'm not really loving what I'm seeing. And 
I think that I don't know. I, I I don't know what you've heard from people, but a lot of the emails, a lot of the stuff that I've gotten from other people is along those lines of just like, I don't know about Gundy anymore, man. And I think that that's a I think we're at a place that that's a fair question. I'm not this is not a fire Gundy take or anything like that. But I think we're at a place where it's a fair question to start wondering, like, what is the long term trajectory of this Oklahoma State program? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a perfectly acceptable line of thinking, and I think it's gone from a small section of OSU fans to a majority in terms of questioning where this thing's going, because before you had the 10 wins to rely on, right? And we can also go back to, like, 2015. Like, that team had no business winning 10 games. So, like, maybe this was always coming. They just won a lot of close games. You know, I just they they have not been to the level – that they were in 2013 or 2011, really since that time. I think 2014, we all know they weren't very good. 2015, I think, still remains Gundy's finest work, getting that team to 10 wins. I still don't know how that <laughs> happened. And obviously, you know, the Rudolph era really gets gets going in 16 and 17. So I, I don't know. It's just um, <clears throat> the question I have would be, well, what are people? What, what's anybody going to do about it? Gundy's a made man. He's he basically gets to call the shots when he wants to leave. I mean, they have this question for you would be, how's this contract work? It's, it's this one year rollover contract where you get to raise each year and it's, it's up for, it's up for termination and extension each off season or just extension. I don't, I'm not sure how the inner workings of all that. I'm not sure if you have that off the top of your head. Uh, so hold on. I'm looking this up. It is, uh, it's not up for termination. So what, what would, what happens? And, and there's like, there's language in the contract about how like within seven days of the last game of the season, I think the, the, whatever that is, whether that's regular season or bowl game, the, I think it's the board of regents or whoever is making the decision has to decide, do we want to extend his contract another year? So they either decide to do that or they don't. <clears throat> And if they don't, then obviously he has four years left at the money that is in the contract. And then if they do, he has five years left. So like, you you wouldn't terminate the whole thing. You would just not renew it. So your your option is uh, option one, renew, and that means tack on another year to replace the year that he just coached. Or option two, don't renew, and you only have five years left or four years left. <clears throat> well, that's certainly interesting. That's one way to light a fire, isn't it? To not hit the renewal button and say, well, now your contract's downsized a year. You got a four-year deal remaining. I think that's certainly something that Mike Holder should look at. Now, again, that will that would be kind of dramatic between him and, and Gundy and whomever. But I think you can look at it from a strict numbers point can't you just the win totals and you've won seven games they're going to win what six or seven this year you could say look this current con you've you've not performed to this current contract so we're going to let it tick down and we'll we'll revisit it in a couple of years maybe that's something that could you know not light a fire but you know i mean <clears throat> hold Mike Gundy somewhat accountable for for winning seven games in back-to-back years yeah i think that I think you're right, and I think it's fascinating. I think the problem this happened with um, who's the guy that was at Tulsa that went to Arizona State? Uh, Todd Graham. Todd Graham. Yep. It happened with him, and I, and I think a lot of times when 
when you do that, like when you don't renew it, you're essentially saying like, uh, you're going to get fired at some point. Like, like, I don't think there's been a lot of scenarios where <laughs> it's like, okay, we're not going to renew it this year. You better start recruiting better. And then <laughs> you renew it later on. So I think it's a, I think you had to be pretty committed to that path. It's not like a, <laughs> it's not like a bluff, right? Well, it's, how many years did, did Graham have left? Was yeah, it like I don't one know. year left? I mean, there's a big difference between having four years left on your contract for and sure. having one. Because sure. nobody coaches on a – hardly anybody coaches with one year left on their deal. They want an extension or they go find somewhere else to work. So, again, I don't, I don't know how that's going to play out. That, to me, is the most fascinating part of this. And, look, no one's trying to run off my Gundy. But I think everyone could admit there's not a whole lot of incentive for him right now. I mean, he has a, basically a lifetime contract that rolls over each year. And to me, that gets back to what's his, I think his record is what, 11 and 9 since he signed that deal? Something like that, 2017? Is that? That's uh, well, not right. No, that's, that's not right. They went, uh, they went 10 and 3 in 17. They went 7 and 6 last year. And they're 4 and 3 this year. So, yeah. math not being our strong suit, I'm not going to add all those numbers. Not great. <laughs> But no, I just, that to me, and again, I'm not going to call this a, a Travis Ford situation, but it's just, it's, they're dealing with some very, I mean, you just look at the coaches who have stayed at a place a long time. The breakup is always messy. And I'm not saying that's coming in the next four or five years, but you look at Bill Snyder, who was at K-State forever. That was a very awkward ending last year. And um, I don't know. It's just going to be interesting to see how this whole thing shakes out. And look, Gundy could, could step up next year or the year after and win 10 games again. I mean, nobody thought that 2015 team was doing that. But I just I, I just question the people he's hired around him. And he, I think he kind of needs a kick in the pants like, like Dana Holgerson provided back in 2010 because the, their offense in 2009 under Gundy calling plays was pretty stale and, frankly, getting results like we're seeing this year. So yeah, maybe, it, maybe he'll unleash Gleason this week. Well, we'll and I, I don't think – I don't think – I mean – like to be clear, I want to be very clear about this. Neither you nor I are advocating for Oklahoma State to fire Gundy. Like that, that's not at all what I'm saying, and I don't think it's what you're saying. I'm simply saying like I think it's fair that the questions are being raised, and and that I mean Gundy Gundy foresaw this five years ago when he said, or however many years, where he said, you know, we created this monster, now we got to feed it, and when you're not feeding it it turns on you. Right. And that's what we're seeing right now. And, um, it is going to, it is going to be really interesting to see uh, how it all plays out. I, I don't want to go. Um, I don't know. I don't want to go too far down that road. Cause I don't want it to sound like that. We are trying to, uh, to, to run him out of town. Uh, I, although I did want to ask you, can we go, can we go through the big 12 coaches and say, which one you would, uh, you would trade for him right now? Sure. Are you good with that? Yeah. No. I don't. Yeah, I am. Okay. I just, it's a hard thing to judge, but go ahead. Gary Patterson. Uh, no. No, me either. Uh, Matt Campbell. Hmm. I would. I think Gundy has proven far more than Matt Campbell has. Having said that, I think they're on very different paths and trajectories to, to borrow your phrase uh, the question would be would matt campbell be willing to stick around 
at OSU if a bigger job came calling. So I'll stick with Gundy, but I, I love what I've seen with, with Matt Campbell. Would you trade him for Matt Campbell right now? No. God. I wouldn't either. I, I would want to, but I don't think I would. Uh, Matt Rule. Hmm. <laughs> uh, he's done a great job so far. He has. But again, they could... And I think they'll be undefeated when OU comes to Waco in a couple of weeks. But again, I just again I I don't view Mike Gundy as very far down the pecking order in the Big Twelve. Just look at what he's done. So I'm going to say no. But I, I love what I've seen. I and I was a big advocate for Baylor and Matt Rule this offseason. There were some detractors, but I I stuck with them, and he's proven to be a, a heck of a coach. But yeah, I'll, I, I'll say no. I would say no just because I think he would leave. Like I think he wants to be. It's, I mean, it seems like he wants to be in the NFL based on everything that I've read. Uh, <laughs> Lincoln Riley. Yeah. How fast would uh, Mike Holder answer that call? Oh, with that's not even what I'm thinking about right now. If you're Mike Holder, like obviously I think Lincoln Riley's – you do that deal. He's younger. He's seems to be the guy when it comes to offense. Uh, case in point, Kyle, the Oklahoma offense is from Blinken Riley on Twitter. He's a statistician who likes to troll OSU. So I'm sure fans don't like me reading this, but he said the OU offense could go out and take a knee losing two yards each time for the next 75 plays in a row. And they would still lead the nation in yards per play. That's how good he is on offense. That's, that's unbelievable. What, if you're Mike Holder, though, would you hire Alex Grinch as your head coach? <laughs> just just hire the OU defensive coordinator <laughs> out from under Lincoln Riley because you're not getting Lincoln Riley. But uh, I don't know. I, I think back to when he hired Kenny Gajewski, you know, OU grad, played at OU, and he, he was probably the best coach available, obviously. came from a winning program at Florida. Holder clearly doesn't care about stuff like that. He just wants the best coach. So I don't know. That'd be kind of funny if he did that. But yes, uh, I would probably take Lincoln. Well, somebody brought up an interesting point in in an email today. I posted it on the site. They're talking about how like Grinch came from Ohio State, where he won a couple Big Ten titles. I think they won a, a national title while he was there. And he goes, "This." <laughs> the email said, "This is what's called a pedigree, which is something that Jim Knowles does not have." <laughs> and the way the way he phrased it was just was really funny to me. And uh, yeah, it just got me thinking about some of the hires that... Well, Grinch was only at Ohio State like a year or two. Last year, I think it might have been his only year there. Okay, well then... Uh, but he was at Washington State where he was the Broyles Award winner for best assistant in the country. He turned them into a top five defense. Washington State, <laughs> who was a dead program when Mike Leach got there. Yeah. Um, Probably worse than Kansas when they got there. Okay, so we would trade Mike Gundy for Lincoln Riley. Yes, all of the above. Hit the button. Tom Herman. Oh, man. What has Tom Herman ever done? I'm going to say no. Get out of here, Tom Herman. He's, he's a weirdo. Yeah. What has he ever done, though? Like, he beat OU with Houston. Okay. Um, that's about it, right? They beat Georgia last year. That, that was that was. Rude. They won the Sugar Bowl last year. He has many BCS Bowls as, as Mike Gunny. He won the Fiesta, so... I guess that's true, but he doesn't have a Big Twelve title like Gundy does, so I'll, I'll take Gundy. Yeah, I'm I'm Gundy, and he, uh, he kind of is under so far at Texas. I mean, they're 
Texas is like an underdog at TCU this week. So, yeah. no, I, I would say Gundy. Uh, t- uh, Les Miles. No. That That's, ship has sailed. That I is mean, although, a huge no is, for me. Yeah, I mean, I like Les. I think he's a heck of a coach. But his time is, has come and gone. And I just – the, the way offenses are moving, like I just, I don't think he'll ever be able to not hand it off to, to Sean Willis up the middle a few times a game. So, and Les isn't like a perfect, like I think Les is perfect in this stage of his career to play. Like they're a coach at a school that's just trying to punch above their weight, like a Kansas. I think it's a perfect fit for him. Yeah. Uh, okay. We get to the coaches that are uh, the first year coaches. Uh, Chris Kleiman at Kansas State. No, show me more. I, I do think. When I'm when you mention coaches like Rule and Campbell and and the job Wells has done so far at Tech, I think Kansas State's trajectory is going to trend up under this guy. I think he's a good coach, but we'll have to we'll have to wait till he gets his own players in. I mean, again, he's trying to win games with Skylar Thompson, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I'm I'm no on all three of these: Matt Wells, Tech, and Neil Brown at West Virginia. Yeah, I would say I would say no to all those as well. Uh, Wells was always on my list if Gundy were to leave. You know, he's from Oklahoma. Yeah, I see the job he does at Tech. He's clearly made them more competitive in year one. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you roll through these and you're like, okay, well, and and some of it's hard because some of it's like there is some nostalgia there with Gundy. Like he he is the best coach in in Oklahoma State history. He did win a Big Twelve title. He did win all those games, and so it's just. It, it's um, I don't know. It would have to be a really. It it's going to take you a very unique. Like the transition is going to be very unique and weird and different, and I just hope they don't wait too long to where it's it 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 takes several years to to kind of get it back. You know, uh, when it whenever yeah. whenever it takes place. I'm not saying this year, next, whatever. Uh, whether it's eight years from now, I, I just I hope that the transition is even like fifty percent as good as it was at OU. What if Gleason's like OSU's Lincoln Riley? Like Gundy just retires out of the blue and hands the keys to Gleason, and they start rolling. Well, yeah, I mean, what was the OU had a couple of like weird years there, like uh, twelve? Was it twelve when they went like eight and five? Um, or thir- or uh, maybe, yeah, 12 and 13, they were, because remember in 13, they didn't really have a shot at the Big 12 title coming into Stillwater. Yep. And 12, I think they were pretty mediocre as well. So, he, so, so I mean, it's a different level, obviously, but, but Stoops definitely had some down years at the very end. Yeah, and <laughs> if OSU beats him in 2013, they win the Big 12, and OU doesn't go to the Sugar Bowl. Where they beat Alabama, they land Joe Mixon based off you know the, the way they were rolling in, in in that season. That that's a big what if. I think I think that kind of got OU back to to level footing, and they took off from there because they won the Sugar Bowl, they got better recruiting, and then they got Baker Mayfield. So, um, thanks. But for, no, I, thanks I, for going I think, through all that. By the yeah, way. I'm sure that was pleasurable. <laughs> But no, I, th- I think the hire obviously will be crucial whenever that happens, whenever Gundy does decide to leave. And again, I'm not running him off either, but just look at schools like Florida State and how bad they are by making a bad hire. Yeah. So it just, it can go really well or it can go really south. So it's just, and again, I trust 
Mike Holder and Chad Weiberg based off the hires they've made lately. Um, that'll, that'll be a fascinating endeavor when we get there. But again, I, I think Gundy's going to stick around for another four or five years. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree. Uh, okay, let's get on something more positive. Did you see Mike Boynton's quotes today at Big 12 Media Days? Love them. Let's get to them. Uh, he, he said a lot of different things. I, I'm going to read a couple of them. He said it was an enjoyable, it's been an enjoyable summer after what was a pretty frustrating year for our program. We're excited about moving forward. We feel like our program is on track where we thought we could be at this point when I took over in the spring of 2017. Uh, so that was the first one he goes on to talk about and, and Marshall Scott and I both wrote about this about uh, the seniors, Cameron Griff, Lindy Waters, and Dizzy, your guy. Um, and just, Your guy? Yeah, I, he, I think he might be Marshall's guy. Um, <laughs> just like what they've been through over the course of their career. It's been pretty crazy. Like when you think back, everything that they've endured over the last four years. Um, so he obviously had a lot of respect for them. And then he gave the, uh, the ultimate quote. This is, this is right up your alley. He said, the freshman kid from the Netherlands, I still can't say his name, Hitty Rosink. Hitty Rusink. Hitty Rusink, who is probably the least known of the entire group, has probably had as great an impact on our practices through 20 so far as anybody. The Boone twins, I think, will both be really good players. Physically, they have a little ways to go. Uh, Avery Anderson, true freshman, he clarified that he was from the United States and not the Netherlands, uh, has probably <laughs> has probably been the most consistent in terms of productivity and practice. Uh, just thoughts on those quotes. Is is how, is Hitty going to average 25 or 30 this year, do you think? Well, I said a few shows ago that if he doesn't look like young Dirk in game one, I'm going to be thoroughly disappointed based on all the hype that I've heard. Uh, he, I, I noticed he competed in the three-point contest during homecoming and hoops. So for a, for a true freshman from Europe to come in and, and already be getting these type of quotes, that's certainly encouraging. And I think he has a chance to be maybe newcomer in the league if he's as good as you know Mike Boynton's hyping him up to be and his teammates are. So that's that's encouraging. I'm, I'm buying all this, the, the Netherlands stock. Uh, the quote that stuck out to me, though, was um, it's been an enjoyable summer after what was a frustrating year for us. Our program is back on track. In my mind, I have a responsibility to protect the program's standards. Mm. And to me, it seems as if he's ready to get this thing back on track. I mean, you, you think about back, back to this time, was it this time last year, the FBI stuff was going on. Uh, they were, they lost, you had to kick off the players where they had no depth. So it, they're definitely going into this season on much firmer footing than, than last year, and I'm excited to see all these new guys like Avery Anderson. And I guess, I guess one of the players uh, media days was quoted as comparing him to Patrick Beverly, which mm-hmm. is certainly encouraging. Get back to the defensive standards of this program, but no, man. I mean, it's it's certainly everything is certainly looking up for OSU basketball, and it's it's certainly an exciting time. And I guess Fran Fraschilla picked them as his like his sleeper that could. They could contend for the Big Twelve title. Apparently, <laughs> that's what uh, Marshall Scott uh, tweeted out today. Your boy Marshall was oh. on it today. Oh my gosh! He said, uh, "Let me pull it up here." He said, "ESPN's Fran Fraschilla called Oklahoma State a dark horse team in the Big Twelve that can make a run for the top of the league." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would say things are looking up, Kyle. Right. I think Fran Fischilla thinks that Isaac Likely is his is his like other son. Like he loves Isaac Likely. 
loves yeah. him. Well, he hangs around Oklahoma a lot. You know, his son went to went to OU, and he obviously has been calling Big Twelve games forever. So I think he he gives a lot more love to the Oklahoma schools than most. Yeah, I don't I don't think they're going to contend for the league, but um, yeah, it, the tr- I mean, we talk about trajectories. It's a it's a it's a good trajectory. Now it's hard for it to be bad because you were uh, terrible last year, but um, I do like the direction they're headed. Speaking of that. Um, Cade Cunningham committed on on Wednesday. You had a, you had a good take on this. I thought it was funny because he did this whole like he said he's committed, but then he like committed to to Arlington. Did you see his home, this his hometown? Yeah, it was it was weird and like I, I don't I don't know what was going on. But you you your take on this was like he he kind of enjoys the game, right? Like the the recruiting game. And then yeah. if you're an Oklahoma State fan, that's probably a good a good sign because a lot of the things that you're hearing and there's there's been some more substantial stuff recently that I was talking to Kyle Boone about that it was like this might not go well. Like it might end very poorly uh for for Oklahoma State. Like based on like factual things, not just people hollering on the internet. Um but I think that's. I think the fact that he enjoys playing the game is a good sign. I thought that was a really good take by you. Well, you asked me a couple of weeks ago, just kind of where I was with with Cade Cunningham and what's going on with his recruitment. And I, I said, you know, without any inside information, it just strikes me as he's one of those guys that wants to take all five of his visits. He likes people talking about where he's going. He likes to drum up interest in it. And I think he wants to go to OSU and play with his brother. I think I think it's simple as that. And I think when he goes to a visit at Kentucky and people ask him how he went, he's not going to say, nah, everyone knows I'm going to OSU. He's going to say, oh, man, went great. I, I might go there. And then, boom, crystal balls get turned in. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not discrediting people that actually cover that for a living. I just, from an outsider looking in, to quote Mike Gundy, I just... He appears to me to be someone who likes the attention, and I, I would too. And I think he knows he wants to go to OSU. He just wants to kind of enjoy the process, which to me, I think if you're an OSU basketball fan, that's what he did with the announcing of his schools and all that to, to certainly get interest. I think that I think that bodes well for, for OSU. Yeah, I agree, and it goes against some of the stuff again that that we had been uh, that we have been hearing recently, and and uh, you know I. Kyle Boone's been doing a really good job with all this stuff. He's been covering it. If people aren't subscribed, they should subscribe to our, our PFB plus stuff. And he's dropping stuff in the forum that it's like, Oh boy, like this is, this might not be great. Uh, but it's, it's not, it's not substantial enough to like actually report. So anyway, that's a, that's a, uh, that is a plug that people should go subscribe because it's, uh, it's gotten pretty interesting, uh, behind, uh, behind the scenes. Um, okay. What else do we need to get to? I guess that's it. Um, mid first five in the books. You want to do a uni preview? Yes. Let's get to this week's uni preview brought to you by Chris's university spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on campus corner. And be sure to shop online at Chris Carson, what do you got for Oklahoma state this weekend? Um, I'm thinking they're going to go back to a helmet that they introduced a few years ago that some in the PFB plus forums have attributed to the downfall of the program. The, uh, the Ed Hardy helmet. (laughs) I think we're going to go back to that. 
they're going to wear the white jersey because they have to, and they're, I think they're going to rock the black pants. So I was tempted to go back to the, the the combination they wore last time in Ames. I think it was the Ed Hardy uh, white and and gray, but I'll go I'll go Ed Hardy white and black. Yeah, I, I like that pick. That's a good pick. Um, I'm going. I'm going uh, white helmet, the ICP. I think they wore this combo at Kansas last year. So I'm going ICP, uh, white jersey, obviously, and then uh, gray pants. They wear gray pants a lot in Ames. They do. And uh, Not sure why. Yeah, I'm not sure either, but uh, white, white, gray for me. So icy white, white, gray. Why, why wouldn't they just go all white? Well, they did all white for the first game this year. Ah, uh, that's true. At uh, that seems like a long, long time ago. At win at Oregon State, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> much better times. At KU, no KU last year they were all white, but they did go that. I think that was when they did the IC. No, they did the. Uh, it wasn't Pete. It was the the brand. Remember that the all white brand. Oh yeah, it was good. It was. Good. They also wore all white at at West Virginia. Was that last year mm. or year before? Year before, 2017. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're all running together for me. Yeah, I know. I know. So, I'm looking at Southwell. Southwell made this spreadsheet that's just like ludicrous that anyone would <laughs> keep up with, with all this stuff. But it's helpful because I'm looking back on on uh, all their games. So, yeah, uh, you've got black, white, black. I've got white, white, gray. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, okay. Let's talk a little bit more about mid-first, Carson. Ultimate game day experience. You can enter to win now, between now and October 31st. Uh, each swipe of your OSU credit card or debit card is another entry into the ultimate game day experience. Uh, that's all you have to do to enter, uh, to enter to win is swipe your credit card or debit card, uh, your mid-first credit card or debit card, and, and you're automatically entered to win two VIP tickets to an OSU game in November. Uh, there's a gift basket that they're giving away, $500 cash, which might be more valuable than two VIP tickets to an OSU game in November at this point. Um, so, yeah, pretty cool deal that MidFirst is doing. You guys should go and check it out. Uh, Carson, we got a couple more things. We're going to play the uh, the record book game, which is the least interesting name for a bit in podcast history. Um, but I got a couple good ones here for you. Call it Media Guide Mysteries? Media Guide Mysteries. That's pretty good. Uh <laughs> So we talk a lot about Spencer Sanders. He's tied for the nation's uh, worst, or, or he's tied for the most turnovers in the nation with 14. Nine picks, Oof. five fumbles. He's tied with Oof. a kid from New Mexico State. So I don't want to talk Thanks. about that. What I do want to talk about is interception avoidance. Who do you think has the lowest interception avoidance rate for a single season in school history and what do you think that rate was so essentially if you throw an interception once every hundred passes your interception rate would be one percent i think i might know this because you know we do when we count down towards the season we count down the greatest players to where you know if there's 12 days left we'll say you know there's 12 days to go number 12 for osu is mike gundy I think it's Mike Gundy, his true freshman year. He went 143 passes without an interception. Well, but it's for, uh, it's for the whole season. It's not just a streak. I know, but I'll I'll say I'll say Gundy freshman year. Okay, it's actually Mason Rudolph. What? His s- junior year, 2016. Wow. 448 passes. He threw four picks. Dang. 
So that is uh, 0.9% interception rate, which is uh, about 10 times less what's, than what Spencer Sanders is right now. What's, what was uh, second and third? Do you have that or just no, the top? No, it's just the record. that I do have most passes intercepted in a season is uh, Tony Pounds in 1970. He had 21 picks. Whoa. <laughs> Tony Pounds might have taken some heat in the uh, on the message boards in 1970. <laughs> do you think the coach was having to defend him at press conferences? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. like Gundy started as a true freshman – for Ronnie Williams and started his career with like 140 something passes without his, he started his career that way That's, without an interception. He's, he's the most risk averse coach player, everything <laughs> ever. And he was slinging it too, man, back in for, for 1984. I think they threw it more than most. I'll go the, he did have Thurman and, and then later on Barry, but yeah, he was, he was decent. Uh, okay. We talked about yards per play after the Baylor game. Baylor averaged 9.9 yards per game, which is the second worst uh, defensive performance in the Gundy era by Oklahoma State. Yards per play? Uh, yards, yards. Yeah, yards per play. Sorry. Uh, so I'm curious if you know what the high – like turn it around to OSU's offense. What's the most yards per play they've ever uh, achieved in a single game – uh, in Oklahoma State history. Oh man, it, it's got to be either two games come to mind. It's it's got to be the win in 2011 over Kansas, where they were up like 35 nothing in the second quarter, or it could be the Pittsburgh game where OSU was up like 50 to nothing at halftime. I'll go with one of those. I'll I'll say it's the Pittsburgh game. That's a great guess. Pittsburgh came in at seventh on the list. They averaged 9.4 yards per play at, at Pitt in 2017. Some of this stuff, if they win by too much, they just start like running it and your yards, uh, yeah. your yards per play goes down. That the, the most ever was actually against Baylor uh, in 2017. So two years ago, they ran 71 plays for 747 yards, which was 10.5 yards per play which is incredible. Uh, second highest was actually Iowa State in 2008. That was the Des year. Uh, you got Tulsa in 17 on here, at Kansas State in 16, Houston in 2008, Baylor in 2011. That was the Robert Griffin game. <laughs> um, the Kansas game is not on here, actually. Baylor 2017. Yeah, that was the one where, remember Justice running down the sideline? It was homecoming. I don't remember that game. It was a blowout. Baylor was that was the year they went like one and eleven. Yeah, it was Matt Rule's first year. Yeah, they were. I have no recollection of this game. Okay, and then my last one is uh, what is the number of? I gotta find it here. Number of com. Okay, so if if you say that Oklahoma State no longer has a gray helmet or a uh, or a gray jersey. How many road? How many potential road combinations? So just colors, not the helmets, because there's a million helmets. But just colors. Do you think they have not worn? So they have to wear a white jersey, right? Got to wear a white jersey. So how many road combinations have they not worn? Three. They've worn them all, Carson. They've worn them all. They've worn them all. Wow. Yeah. Surprise! I was me. tempted to say that because they did wear white, 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 orange, white, black. Yeah, yeah, they've done them all. They've done black, white, gray. They've done orange, white, gray. They've done white, white, 
orange. They've done every single combination that you can wear on the road. Um, there's like 10 that they haven't worn at home. Uh, they haven't done black, black, white. They haven't done black, orange, gray, which would be really weird. Uh, <laughs> they haven't done white, orange, gray, which I think might be cool. Um, black, black, gray, black, which I've always wanted to see. Uh, yeah, they have. Well, we're saying that there's not a, although they did wear the gray jerseys this year. So, so Southwell, Crooked Southwell needs to update this, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. I've always wanted to see black, gray, black, just to see what it looked like. They would probably look like the Raiders or, you know, an, an arena league team and not OSU, but I still kind of want to see what it looks like. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. That's all I got for the media guide mysteries. Let's hear it one more time <laughs> from our sponsor. Chris's University Spirit. We'll come back with one interesting thing and wrap this show up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, what do you got? One interesting thing. Uh, one interesting thing, I, that something I've heard this week, is that contrary to what we've seen on the field, that Sean Gleason, I guess, works with, quarterbacks on ball security and guys flying around the pocket trying to hit the ball out of their hands more than any coordinator they've ever had in Stillwater. And yet Spencer's had fumbling issues. So it's, I thought that was interesting. It's not something you necessarily think about, but apparently Gleason is just hammers that into, into their heads and, and works with them constantly on that. So again, I think you know it's it's incumbent on Spencer moving forward to to quit doing it and and to secure the football. So it's it's obviously being taught. Yeah, but that's uh that was certainly interesting when I heard that. Can I be on record for this? I think Gleason's good. I think I think he's solid. I think he's waiting to spread his wings. Gundy just got to let him fly. <laughs> Come on, Gundy. Uh, okay, here's my the whole one. stadium. The whole stadium <laughs> starts doing the angels in the outfield. I knew that in the was crowd. Coming. Let him fly. A movie I've seen. Yes, you get a reference. This is a first. Uh, okay, so here's here's my one interesting thing. Since um, uh, since 2010, so this decade, we're about to be done with this decade, right? Because we're going to move on to 2020 uh, after the next five games. The Big 12, Big 12 leaders and wins are OU with 72. Oklahoma State with 54, cool. and then Kansas State and Baylor with 48. Texas has 45. Uh, wow. TCU and West Virginia have fewer. They didn't come into the Big 12 until 2012. Uh, Nebraska and A&M, unfortunately for Kansas, both have more Big 12 wins than Kansas this decade, <laughs> which is – that's a tough deal. Texas A&M, oh. Texas A&M has twice as many Big 12 wins as Kansas this decade. That is that, – <laughs> that's tough. Oh, that's how bad Kansas, Kansas is. Man. Kansas is five and seventy nine since twenty ten in the Big Twelve. Good thing they're good at basketball. 
And they all, they, really they almost went they almost went six and seventy eight with two went two of those wins over Texas. Uh, that's that's probably why they won fourteen Big Twelve titles in a row. Just like the law of that, like yeah. You know, the basketball gods are like, we need this. <laughs> they, they need this. They have to sit through football season all year. So let me read you the win total since uh, 2017. So the last three seasons. Kind of the era, kind of the the uh, period of time where we've been like, uh, is, is Oklahoma State still good? Um, so OU is 22-2 and two in that span, which is just makes me want to throw up onto my microphone. <laughs> uh, OU's 22. Texas has 15. Iowa State 14. West Virginia 12. TCU 12. Oklahoma State 10. Kansas State 9. Baylor 8. Tech 7. Kansas 1. So OSU got lapped a little bit there. So OSU got lapped, and they could get passed by Baylor or Kansas State or Tech, although I think Baylor's probably the best bet out of those three um, by the end of the year. And think how bad, like, for instance, Tech has been. <laughs> They've not been competitive in the Big 12. So that, that really illustrates where the program's sinking to the last couple of years. Yeah, so again, this is not a one-year deal. It's not a one-game deal. It's not a five-game deal. It's a three-year thing where you're ranked sixth in the Big 12 and wins, and you're not moving up. Like, I mean, maybe, I guess, but more likely you're you're going to be moving down a little bit more too. So I don't know. I'm fascinated to see where it goes. What's your pick for this weekend? Well, I mean – I'm picking Iowa State, uh, and I'm, I'm picking them fairly comfortably. I'll go – again, I just – I have no faith in, in this defense anymore. Just they give up so many big plays. The 9.9 yards per play. Now, there's two ways to look at it, too. I mean, last week, for the most part, they played well and, and kept OSU in the lead. But just that doesn't really matter when, you know, you have a busted coverage against Texas and you have a busted coverage against Baylor for a long touchdown. I've just seen too many busts despite, you know, prolonged stretches of, of much better defensive displays. So I'll go Iowa State 42, OSU 28. Yeah, my I was going to say Iowa State 38-28 over, over OSU, I think. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I'm not, like, super surprised by anything in college football. And I think that, you know, I think that – I mean, Oklahoma State has probably two top 50 picks. They've got a four-star quarterback. Like, it, it wouldn't be shocking to see them go win. But, again, like I said last week, they've lost the benefit of the doubt. They don't get they don't get that anymore. And they've lost trust for this year. And, uh, yeah, I think Iowa State's probably going to make them 4-4 four and four coming back home. Yeah, and I, I didn't see much coming out of a bye week uh, in terms of, you know – new schemes offensively. I just, I, I, I do wonder, you know, with a, a lack of a bye week this week, how much different is it going to look? That's, and it, it certainly needs to. I mean, I know they had the lead against Baylor until Spencer fumbles it, but they only had, you know, 27 points for OSU. That's, that's a half yeah. you know, their standard. So sure. I don't know. It's been discouraging, but who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Okay, Carson, enjoy the weekend and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. See ya.